Thanksgiving, you know, we're all, we're all, uh, we're all stuffed, aren't we? Everyone is sleeping in excessively. It's just, it's yeah, a it's nice chill day before the weekend. 2 p.m. and I got up late. Man, it was amazing. Yeah. I got called a socialist for being vegetarian. Let me guess, the person that did that to you was over 60? Uh, no. Mm. No, they were drunk. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was yeah. very funny. Thanksgiving does bring out the worst in people sometimes. It brings out the funniest in people, I'd like to think. Yeah. There's a lot of arguments on Thanksgiving, I find. You know, I, people. I was exp- – so my family is uh, very, very leftist, like my mm-hmm. whole extended family. So the, there weren't really many arguments where we more just make fun of each other all the time. My, my like, family is – um, my family is also pretty left, but – uh. Every so often, there's something that just kind of puts people off of each other. Yeah. And eventually, people don't know how to talk about it, and they mm-hmm. just get into a whole-on, like, they get into a full-on, like, weaving and driving home-level argument. Uh-oh. That's only happened a handful of times. Thankfully, yeah. this uh, Thanksgiving was very chill, and there weren't any arguments. Very nice. But uh, I, I have seen it happen before. Yeah, and it's like we all live in the Chicago area, so like it's hard to be right wing in the Chicago area. I mean, yeah. you can, as we'll get into, but it's it's harder. <laughs> yep, we know right. the people. I figured we get these jokes out of the way right away. Um, wh- what's the deal with Chirac? The Chirac militaristic zone. Um, <laughs> well, I it's would... actually called a uh, Chirac, Illinois. <laughs> That's the whole, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Chirac, it's violent. Um, we also have a big-ass freshwater lake. Which yes, we one, do. What came first, the chicken or the egg? Did the violence cause that, or did the violence cause the Great Lakes to form? It's, uh, I like to think of it as um, a colonization situation. We've got the big freshwater lake, and everyone just uh, came in and seized our assets. It's Very like nice. the... Uh, it's like the cobalt mines in Africa. Mm. Yes, maybe we should return the Great Lakes to Canada. Yeah, we have lost back. all fishing and shipping rights in the Great Lakes. Um, but first, so Joe Manchin finally put aside his big ego, and he is now he's still public enemy number one. But this was a couple weeks ago. I just didn't really feel the need to cover it until now. The bipartisan infrastructure bill that's been, like, sitting in Congress for, like, the last six months. Um, this was the one that's, like, rah, rah, we can work together. And it was something like... The um the House of Representatives was, like, almost completely a party-line vote. Not because of a party-line vote, but because the most um, liberal... Like, the most liberal Democrats voted against the bill, and the most uh, liberal Republicans voted for the bill. So it ended up evening out to almost the same number. (laughs) 
why did those uh, most liberal Democrats vote against the bill? They voted against the bill because this they they didn't really like how it was so like moving around climate change so much. Like if you look at these uh these oh, yeah. spending that's figures actually a good here. point. Like if you look at these spending figures here, there's definitely some good provisions here, like roads and bridges, passenger and freight rail. Like you know, if you see some of the starry state of like the country's infrastructure, then yeah, most of the things that do involve climate change is um, like protection against it. So like whether that's um, yeah. building better bridges or building like seawalls and stuff, because there's not really any debate that climate change is happening, like more severe weather events, but the debate's more over like what's causing it in hindsight it does make um it does fit very well with the sort of viewpoint you see from people in the house like um aoc and Ilhan omar you know that um if you do pass this bill you stand to uh make republicans and republican voters think that they've already done something to combat Mm -hmm. it yeah and, and the really the real holy grail of the biden term would be the uh three two or one and a half trillion pretty much all climate change bill that's doing something that passed the house of representatives i don't even know i won't cover that one until it's completely passed just because like it's gonna get changed so much yeah there's gonna be a lot of amending done and it's also just a very very big bill yeah the weird part about deserves an episode of itself oh totally uh the weird part about this bill i'm gonna turn on my laser pointer is that I forgot what I was going to say was the weird part about this bill. But, you know, airports, public transit. This is, like, I remember talking to someone, and it was someone in China, and it was on, like, Reddit. So I was not on r slash Sino, but I was mm-hmm. just, I was talking to someone. And they didn't know a whole lot about America. And so, like, they said, describe one of your most, like, uh, vibrant and diverse, like, cultural centers. I was like, okay, the Bay Area has, like, a ton of this stuff. And he's like, oh, uh, like, and, and he was like, oh, like, can you take a bullet train to Los Angeles or like Lake Tahoe to get like for a getaway or Sacramento or something? I'm like, I didn't even know what to say. Yeah, that's a America has been lacking in terms of a big picture, um, like diversification and upgrading of infrastructure. Most infrastructure stopped being built around the seventies. Yeah. Um, The rich people take flights everywhere and the poor people, Drive. are poor enough in america <laughs> yeah it's pretty easy to drive everywhere and we kind of stopped at driving because after pretty much all of the uh the highways got built back in the 70s it was pretty easy to just stop with infrastructure uh, but america's in a weird position in that it's not super heavily populated in one area so china is so heavily populated along the coast and so sparsely populated um in the west and countries like paris and england it's so easy to connect everything because cities are few and far between but they do have a lot of people in those cities america it's like you have the densely populated east coast which does have high-speed rail that is easier to take than flying it's the only area in the united states that it actually works and then you have chicago and then really nothing until denver and then really nothing until the west coast there's a big smattering of cities all around the U.S. for various cultural reasons and, you know, reasons that made sense when they were first established, like Chicago's placement on the, um, Chicago's placement and position to the rest of the country 
and also it being so close to the Great Lakes. But um, you know, I mean that's why that's, America. Yeah, it's kind of redundant now to make yeah. a rail because there's already like and like okay, high speed rail. If you really get down to it, yeah, it's better for the environment, but until it is literally faster to drive sorry faster to take the train than to drive which it isn't right now if i wanted to take a train across the country it would be mile for mile assuming that i departed from the train station at the same time i departed from my house with no delays um across the country it would be slower to take the train and the thing is you'd need interchanges everywhere Mm -hmm. it might not even be as fast just because you'd have to deal with how many stops you have to take in order to get from one place to another because imagine if i'm a person going from i don't know salt lake city to Asheville. those are two cities but they're not very big either of them and they're super far apart so either i'd have to go down south to texas and around or i'd have to go up north to like i don't know sioux falls where would the next stop be yeah, it's it's super hard to justify uh, like taking the long distance train other than being fun or if you're going from absolute rural middle of nowhere to absolute rural middle of nowhere. It's a fun form of vacation, but for some people it's actually a really essential form of transportation. And that's kind of the weird predicament America's in with infrastructure. America's yeah. best bet at this point is uh, keeping up freight rail because America has one of the best freight rail systems in the world in terms of how robust it is and how well it works. And, of course, investing in crumbling roads and ports and everything. Absolutely. And, obviously, power, high-speed internet. There's a lot of things that need to be done. And this bill kind of addresses the things that need to be done in terms of physical infrastructure, in my opinion, very well. I think this bill came at a good time for the country in terms of getting things done. And, I mean, like, Joe will get it done, (laughs) that meme from last year. I mean, to his credit, he did. (laughs) There's a lot of rather unfortunate Biden memes. Yes, let's go, Brandon. (laughs) I saw this headline, and it was like an Onion headline, and it's liberal mother wondering how to cheer on her son, Brandon. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so this is the only thing that anyone who went to primary school in Chicago uh, learned. All of the (laughs) names of the Great Lakes and the acronym HOMES. So they used to look like this. They don't look like this anymore. The water's more... uh, muddy brown and toxic but they are the lar- second lar- the largest group of freshwater lakes and only the second largest by volume and it's 21% of the world's surface freshwater 94,250 square miles it's a lot is oh that's surface area but uh like 5500 um cubic miles oh my god like that's a lot of water <laughs> that is a it's a really large amount of water that pretty much sustains the entire Great Lakes area. Yeah. Which, I mean, duh, but you know. I want you to guess uh, which which lake is the most polluted. Which lake is the most polluted? Uh-huh. I would have to say either Michigan or Erie. It is Erie. Uh, Michigan's yeah. second. We'll get into that, though. Uh, we'll get a lot more into that. So, the Midwest is really flat. Um, look at this. Look at this. It's all the same exact elevation. And that's because all this ice was here for like 100,000 years, and then it kept receding and going in after each ice age. So in the next ice age, the Midwest is going to get even flatter, if you can believe that. Wow. Yes. Yeah. 
the landscape got smushed by glaciers and the glaciers melted and then Great Lakes are here. It, that's not terribly important, but what is important is uh, the early settlement of the Chirac conflict zone. Indian tribes, and then this map right here, which is a, which states do you consider part of the Midwest? 10% um, of respondents considered Wyoming part of the Midwest. That's really who, confusing. Who said that that was part of the Midwest? Probably the people in California and Oregon that don't consider it part of the Bay Area. Well, no, 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 no. I don't really know where to put it. No, 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 no. This is only people who identify as a Midwesterner. Oh, weird. Okay, so Illinois, I got it. Okay, Iowa, Indiana. In my opinion, there's almost a fifth region. Um, there's like a mountain region. I agree. Because, you know, you have um, the west, you have the mountain, like, you have the mountainous region here, Pacific Northwest. Like, California gets cut in half. Like, the southwest, the south, the northeast, the midwest. And then I almost do, like, a Great Plains region because the midwest and yeah. the Great Plains are so different. I would say the only ones of those on the West that I would agree are the part of the Midwest are Nebraska and Kansas. I think I the Dakotas, know, Montana, um, Idaho, Wyoming, and Colorado are all part of that sort of Great Plains. This this is the line for me, the mid the Midwest line. I'm yeah. surprised no one said Arkansas. Arkansas is like definitively South, though. I guess. I mean, it's hard for me to even count Kentucky. I don't know, man. Kentucky's Region, tough. Regions are weird. But yeah, yeah. Uh, look at all these cities on the Great Lakes. Um, we'll get into uh, pollution next, but you can see how many more cities are on Lake Erie than Lake Michigan, which causes it to be far more polluted. So now let's get into wh why we can't have nice things. These are the five Great Lakes. This is... Uh, Chloride concentration, which is a pretty good estimate on how polluted your lake is. And because the Great Lakes are only about only about one percent of it outflows per year, it's super easy to pollute it and super hard to unpollute it. Um so you will you look at that industrial revolution skateboard jump? Yeah, so it's most, a shame. For the most part, pollution peaked in the fifties and then went sharply down and then it's going up a little bit. I don't know. I don't like that. I don't like how it's going up. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, Lake Michigan has just consistently gone up. It hasn't really gone down at all. The efforts to um, unpollute the Chicago River were as simple as just diverting it somewhere else. Put it in reverse, Terry. <laughs> Making it some other city's problem. I, I have a whole slide about that. Yeah. Okay, so if you live or have lived anywhere near Chicago, I'm sure you've heard about Gary, Indiana. Ooh. Um, so this is what Gary, Indiana looks like. I should have put more pictures on it. I, I like this because it says, if it takes a village to raise a child, a clean village does it better. So Gary, Indiana is, a, well, it used to be a steel town on the south coast, like a stone's throw away from Chicago. Like it is, you can see it easily from like the shores in Chicago. And, on a clear day, yeah. Yeah which is, doesn't happen very often. There's always, like, a black smog over Gary. Yeah, looking at it from the other way around is a lot easier, but then you have to be in Gary, Indiana, so... Yeah, that's a problem. Questionable practice. But, like, the steel mills, they shut down, I don't even know, like, the 70s or something? Like, as soon as... Around like, there, yeah. yeah. That's about when things start getting uh, 
outsourced and to other countries. Literally ever since then, just the population's gotten lower and lower, and the houses just got to the point where you could you could buy one. Like, so you, someone would pay you to buy one, and the whole town is just absolutely in ruins. I saw this documentary on, like, what would happen if humans suddenly disappeared, and they had, like, a 10-minute segment about, like, Great Lake cities, and they literally used Gary, Indiana as a case study for what would happen to the other cities if humans disappeared. <laughs> but, it's, yeah. If you look at the uh, this patch here, which is just stress index, so pollution, it's this one, it's pretty easy to see how Lake Erie is the most polluted one. Um, all of the dots right here, these little T's right here, are steel manufacturing centers. Everywhere there's a T, you can see kind of a blight there. Yeah. Yeah, around the shores of Erie there. Yeah, so steel. You need lots of bad chemicals to make steel, and it sucks for your water. It destroys it. What the hell was that? Yep. Okay. So this is the Chicago River reversal. So I'm not going to read this on this slide. I was mostly using it for the infograph. But so what happened is when Chicago was first forming as a city, the Chicago River, or what naturally happened, is everything east of this line would drain into the um, Lake Michigan. Everything yeah. west of this line would go into the Des Plaines River and go to the Mississippi River and eventually go to the ocean. It worked fine. Um, and then, because this river flowed outward, Chicago had a problem. Chicago would dump their sewage and trash and everything into the river and go out to Lake Michigan. Yeah, um, there, wasn't, there wasn't really a culture of waterfront property either. So if you look on the Chicago River, you see a lot of the older buildings uh -huh. just have no windows pointing out to the river. Yeah, and then, we just kind of treated it as, you know, a one-and-done, put-all-of-your-shit-here thing. Yeah, and then people got their water from, like, right here. <laughs> yeah. Get your water from, like, right where you put your trash. And then that caused dysentery. Um, uh, we'll get into that next, but it was, it was bad. And in any, in most coastal cities, you kind of have the benefit where if there's a big rainstorm and your sewage plants get overwhelmed, as a very last resort, you can dump raw sewage into the ocean. And because of the ocean's just sheer volume, it's not going to matter too much. Like, it's not good, but, like, it's not that consequential overall. Um, but in a freshwater lake, very, very sensitive to pollution that you get your water from, it's not a good look. So, starting in 1900, what the city did is... They dug another canal, well, more canals, reversed the flow of the Chicago River, pumped water so it would reverse outward, and made everything such that it would drain into the Mississippi River. So Chicago, all of Chicago's watershed now goes to the Mississippi River. And that's hmm. a problem. Because before, uh, there was no direct path from the Mississippi River to the Great Lakes. But now there is. So a lot more invasive species got into Lake Michigan. So Chicago's like, all right, we'll put up a big-ass electric fence right here. This is the electric fish barrier. It's as funny as it sounds. <laughs> Funnily enough, I went biking. I should have put the picture, but there was, like, this abandoned bridge that I went over. I know the one. And yep. it was overgrown. It, it, it's not Joliet, but, like, it was terrible-looking. 
but it was so cool. It was overgrown. I'll have to find it and put it on here. And the reason why it was closed is because there was a sign, like a rusted out sign, and it was like, this area is susceptible to high velocity flooding with no warning after a um, horn sounds. <laughs> and there was like a water line where it's obvious the bridge flooded up to, but the bridge was like a good 30 feet up above the uh, water. So it can flood up there when they do a dam release. And I was like, oh, that's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, none of that happened. Um, I did have to disassemble my bike to get it over a fence. <laughs> that was very fun. Yep. All right, so that's all. But I'll tell you about this crackpot plot that happened in the late uh, 1800s. And because Chicago was built so low, um, they couldn't really build any drainage pipes or anything. And that caused an outbreak of cholera that killed 6% of the population. <laughs> wow. So they're like, all right, here's what we're gonna do, lads. We're gonna we're gonna literally raise every building by six feet and then just pour soil under it so we can build pipes. <laughs> and you had stuff like this where it was like a bunch of big strong individuals like lifting an entire building. And it actually worked really well. Like not like not many people got smushed. Yeah. Not many. Not many. Not not enough. So it might surprise you to know that Illinois has some of the cleanest drinking water in the country. <laughs> it sort of makes sense. Yeah, like that, because Chicago does have really good filtering, but it's so weird. If you look on this, um, this is how toxic the water is in different cities. But up on top, you have the Quad Cities in Iowa, Miami, Philadelphia. New Orleans, and then Illinois. Chicago's right here. It's in the it's in the mid percentile. I thought that was yeah. really interesting. It also surprised me to know that a lot of cities in the West have uh, some of the cleanest water in the country. Hmm. Um, you know, my my bet was like, okay, they're drawing water out of super old aquifers, and then it's basically whatever water they can get, they're drinking. So that was my surprise there. I'm actually uh. I've actually been to the Quad Cities a lot before, and it's hilarious when you go out there because everyone's either drinking bottled water or they have pretty much every house I've seen has some form of well water hooked up. I don't think anyone actually uses the tap unless okay. it's for washing dishes or just, you know, water amenities like laundry machines. That's one of the things that really sets um, America apart. And so a lot of people are really surprised when they go to America and when everyone's like, don't drink the tap water. And it's like North America in general, because like you go to Mexico, you're really not supposed to drink the water. Yeah. Um, yeah, Texas isn't so good. Maine isn't so good either. Interesting. It's more or less expectable. The Deep South has a surprisingly high water quality, though. Yeah, and it's like, I, I love how it's like Louisiana, no, not Louisiana, I forget, always forget what these states are, Mississippi uh, has like some, is like has the big, like the highest rainfall change because of climate change. Huh. It has like more rainfall now and it's actually colder there because of climate change. It's kind of ridiculous. It's interesting. Hawaii has the cleanest water. That, that makes sense to take that title and alaska is the poorest oh interesting also makes sense alaska is just so underfunded and like neglected in every way though 
it's tough to make infrastructure in a state like Alaska, which is literally as large as the north to south span of the United States. Yeah. But, yeah, it's it's rough. This slide doesn't really have anything to do with what we're talking about. The slide's just uh, dedicated to my disdain of Naperville. Agreed. If you live uh, anywhere in Chicago, you know that uh, everyone hates Naperville. People there are insufferable. I, I called some memes. This one's my favorite. This was, Naperville couple opens a window. <laughs> Police baffled. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the news. They have, they have an election map from, like, 2016 in there. People in Naperville on their way to be the trashiest, uh, quote-unquote, Chicagoans. Okay. So, th- the reason why everyone hates Naperville is because... It's it's really far away from Chicago. It's basically an excerpt, and it's it is full of the most like high class, annoying, pretentious people you'll ever meet. And they always say they're from Chicago. I'm like, you're not from Chicago. <laughs> you're from Naperville, and everyone knows where Naperville is. It's super far away. So I drew a picture of a Sarbamba uh, on Naperville here. Everyone knows where Naperville is. You yes. can find your way to Naperville from pretty much anywhere. And if you've been up north to Hoffman Estates, oh. I get the same vibe from Naperville. Once you get into Naperville, it takes like an hour to get out. Yes. my um, There's this teacher at our high school who said, um, I could, like he lives in Naperville, and he's like, I could pull into the wrong um, house in the wrong car and say hello to the same wife and two and a half kids and go to my bedroom and I would not notice a difference. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a monoculture there. Hoffman Estates is like Northside Naperville. No, Winnetka is Northside Naperville. It is. Dude, Winnetka. That, that's where the uh, Home Alone house is. And people, if in, people in Evanston on their way to be, like, disgustingly rich. If you've ever gone to um, Winnetka to, like, see the Home Alone house, um, you'll know what I'm talking about. Yep. I do know what you're talking about. This is and the, there's, uh... There's a massive chain-link fence out front because... Oh, yeah, the yeah. Are just there, like... there is, and it's like, ha, huh, I'm gonna go up in front of the Home Alone house and take a look. It's actually smaller than you might think. They made it look big in the movies because all did. the shots are from the ground looking upwards. And from, like, across the street. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually way smaller than you would think. And it, it, it it's a very nice house though. It's still a gigantic house, but yeah, like in the was, movie they make like a, they make it, it look a like a Beverly million. Hills mansion. Yeah, it, they make it look way bigger. But it, yeah, it, the blueprint inside the house that you see in the movies, it, it's all real. It's all there. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool house. But this is the Chicago suburb starter pack. So, Indiana Dunes going to there every summer. Okay, yeah, that that's definitely accurate. Cashmere Every... Pulaski. Cashmere Pulaski Day. Very true. He's some guy in the Revolutionary War who, like, trained... I'm surprised this wasn't in the A-Push textbook, but, like, trained people at Valley Forge how to use horses. Huh. And that helped him out a lot. And because Chicago has the second-highest Polish population, second to, um... What's the capital? Warsaw. Point? Warsaw. Um... They're like, yeah, let's... So, like, pretty much every high school in the Chicago area gets Kashmir Pulaski Day off. Yeah. <laughs> there's, uh... And there's also our, uh... 
resident uh, Jewish hub, Adlai Stevenson's uh, high school. Yes. That gets uh, Yom Kippur off. <laughs> um, summer Convention Center for Drunk Suburban Teens, Lollapalooza. Yeah, that's right. That top right, I gotta point out that top right, every <laughs> high school in Chicagoland area has, like, that one dude that has a SoundCloud that went to the school five years ago, and if you talk to anyone that, like, if you talk to anyone that's even slightly involved in, like, rap or that scene, they're like, have you heard a little, like, something or other? Yeah, Lil Dumex is a very famous rapper. Not, he's not famous, but he did network with some cool people who went to our high school, if you can find them. Um, of course, I'm from Chicago, from Naperville, born and raised. Cubs fan, Jewel Osco, Shedd Aquarium, Brookfield Zoo. They really should have put Robert Crown in here. Yeah, absolutely. So Robert Crown is like Chicago's very own, like, sex ed thing, where, like, the school basically contracts their sex ed, sorry, outsources their sex ed to, like, a, um, a private company and you go there. It's like, weird. You, you yeah. take a you take a school bus and it's a whole thing, and like the girls and boys get separated and then you go into different rooms and they talk about stuff. It's the funniest part of elementary school. Yeah. Yeah. Now they come to your school. <laughs> That's. Yeah, I can't I'm, even imagine. I'm, that. Gl I'm glad we got out of that before that happened. Portillos, yeah. uh, Chicago's um, In and Out, except it's actually good. Oh my god, yeah. In and out, except it's good. Oh man, yeah, people are gonna get really mad at me for that one. Literally go to a city on the West Coast and say In and Out's overrated and watch them like pop a blood vessel in their eye. It's not a secret menu. It's not a secret menu of everyone. It's not gets. good. It's not good. It is bland. Granted, I can only eat their fries, but like it looks bland. The burgers aren't that good. The fries aren't good. I gotta say, animal style is not what it's you know, chalked up to be. What Chili cheese style? anything is much better than animal style anything. What is animal style? It's like... How do you remember all of it? It's... Hold on. I'm pulling this up. But, like, Portillo's, like, they, like, some of them have, like, a full, like, salad place and, like, pasta you can get, and they always it's, have, like, uh, the best cake. Man, like, you guys on the West Coast are really, like, getting the bad end of the fast food. So, let's see. It's, um... Animal style means that any burger has mustard fried patties, then you add pickles, chopped grilled onions, and an extra in and out sauce. I'll have a 4x4 four four animal style. <laughs> Double, oh. triple, bossy deluxe. <laughs> Burn it and let it swim. Okay, um, anyway. The lake is rising slash falling. So... This is a really interesting photo. This was on the beach of Chicago, I think, a couple years ago. It was definitely before COVID. But will you? the water level should be below this line right here, and it's well over a foot above it. Uh, so the lake does have natural fluctuations because of, you know, precipitation, snowmelt runoff, drought, evaporation. So, you know, yeah. you be consistent with drought or everything, a bunch of different factors. But because of climate change making rain inconsistent, it's hard. It's kind of hard to see from these graphs, but it's making the lows lower and the highs higher, as usual. And we came off the heels of a super high uh, high. Um, I know, like, it was impacting some, like, smaller towns in Lake Michigan. Like, Chicago, it's, it's already built up to be, like, a few feet, thanks to that whole raising project, to be, like, a few feet above, like, the most extreme 
So, like, it's not going to hurt Chicago. But I was biking on the lakefront path um, Mm -hmm. in an area like this. And the water level was basically at the path. So I was going kind of slower. And this kid, like, jumps out in front of my bike. And I slam on the brakes and swerve. And, of course, my bike, like, skids out from under me. And it's teetering on the edge of falling into the lake. And I go and grab it. And I'm like, I'll cut up. And then I, I like, I, I, like, I don't yell at the kid. I reprimand the kid. Because I don't know where his parents are. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. Yeah, I mean, like, whatever. Like, I, I wasn't mad at the kid. I was like, would I have lost my bike? Yeah. And that moment, you're like, oh, my God, my bike almost just fell in the lake. Yeah. I'm like, what, is, like is my bike? Can it float? Because, like, I know fat bikes and most mountain bikes will float because the tires are so big. But, like, the bike I was uh, riding was, like, 700 by 38, so it wouldn't give that much buoyancy. I bet um, you could calculate the buoyancy of the wheels at that pressure, and then um, you could compare that to the weight of the total bike. I'd rather not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, all I'm going to say is I got the bike. Or you could just get a tub and see if it floats. Yeah. What I think is interesting is the average depth of Lake Michigan is 581 feet. Hmm. That people is... don't go out very much to that part of Lake Michigan. They don't realize that people it's... still kind of fish for it's salmon really there. It's deep. Like, it, I think the max is like eight or 900. Max That's depth. a lot. Max depth of Lake Michigan. Uh, 922 feet. Jesus. Where is that? Good question. That, I mean, I'm assuming probably in the middle. Uh, you know, we're like, it's basically on the opposite side of the peninsula of Green Bay. It's like not yeah. until you get really far north. That makes sense. Interesting. All right. Well, that's all I've got. So yep. next episode, we're going to be talking about kind of related to the Great Great Lakes, but not really. I just wanted a second part about the Great Lakes. It's droughts in the Great Plains. So how is that influenced by the Great Lakes and how everyone overtapping the Oglala Reservoir, uh, sorry, Oglala Aquifer basically screwed over farming in Texas. We'll get into that. Anything else mm-hmm. you want us to do? Um, nope. I don't think I have any shout outs for this week either. All right. Happy post Thanksgiving, everyone. On your back. The point of contention is how they act. Where you draw the line will set you free. Don't know, baby, so... Oh, oh, oh.